I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, well today is another in my series, 10 Things Every Game Needs. Today is surprise! Yes, number six. So, so far we've talked about goal or goals, about rules, about uh, interaction, about a catch-up feature, about inertia. Well, today we are getting to surprise. Okay, so let me start by explaining there are actually two different kinds of surprise. And so let me clarify those as we talk about surprise. So surprise number one is what we call hidden information, which means one or more players in the game is aware of something that the other players are not. The other type of surprise is something in which no player knows, information that nobody has. Um, So, for example, um, hidden information, a good example of that might be a card game in which you have cards in your hand that are relevant, but the other players don't know what cards you have in your hand. Um, Magic does that, poker does that. There's a lot lot of games in which it's, you know, I I know something that other people don't know. Um, Now, an example of sort of general surprise is where there's some factor that affects the game that keeps happening, everybody knows about it, but nobody knows when those factors are going to happen. Um, so a good example of that would be, um, uh, for example, in poker, uh, when cards are turned face up, everybody gets to see what the cards are when they happen. It's information for everybody, but it's not something that you are well aware of ahead of time, meaning, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. Now everybody at one time knows it's going to happen. Um, so anyway, uh, we're going to talk about both kinds of surprise today and the value of them. Um, so let me start by, so I did a podcast, three podcasts actually, uh, talking about communications theory, and there's three principles of communications theory, things that humans just need that communication is built around. Comfort, surprise, and completion. So surprise is one of the three things. And what I said at the time was, and you can go listen to the whole podcast, is once uh, humans are comfortable, meaning they're in a spot where they're ready for surprise, because they don't want surprise if they're not ready, um, that surprise can make things a lot of fun. And the reason is, it is just neat to not know something and then learn about it. There's, a, there's fun inherent in that. One of the things I'll get to I haven't got to yet is, in your game, you want fun. So surprise is one of the things that can bring fun to your game. When you don't know things, it definitely can be, you know, there, there's a lot of, of entertainment value to having something you can't predict. And when it happens, you're like, oh, I didn't see that coming or I didn't know. And, you know, there's, there's drama in, and suspense built into surprise. So it is fun to have something happen. And games are entertainment. You want to make fun moments. You want to have... You, you want the players to sort of have that thing. Now, another big reason that surprise is so important is that you want things to be different, that you want variety. So one of the things that surprise does for a game is it brings variety to the game, that if you don't know what's going to happen, that essentially, in order to have surprise in the game, you have to build into the game some sense of unknown, that, you know, when I... When I say surprise, what that means is if players always know exactly what's going to happen in the order that's going to happen, the game has no surprise. So in order to add an element of surprise in, it means you usually have to have some element of either randomness or decisions by players unknown by other players. Those are the two main ways you get surprise. It's either nobody knows what's going to happen, that's the general thing, or one player you know, makes a decision that other players don't know the decision they've made. Um, and both of those al- allow you to get to surprise. Like I said, one time it's the surprise of one player, sometimes it's the surprise of all players. Um, but 
And the another key thing is that um, you want some drama in your game. So the reason that we have surprise in, in communications and entertainment is that you want people to... There's a lot of fun in trying to predict what is coming. So, for example, you want your game not to be too predictable. That if your game is totally predictable, it's, it can get boring. That A, players always know what to expect, so there's, there's no sort of the joy of the unknown. And um, you want to make games... You want games that have replayability to them. You want games that players can you know, not get bored. And if the, the game state is always the same and you always are aware of what it is, it's easier to get bored by it. Now, there are games that don't have an element of surprise, chess probably being one of the most famous. There's not a lot of... I mean, there's a little bit of surprise in chess based on players have knowledge that other players don't have. So even in a game like chess, even in a game in which there's no randomness, there is a little bit of, what is my opponent going to do? I didn't expect him to do that. Oh, that move, I wasn't prepared for that. So even chess has a little bit of surprise. Um, so surprise doesn't have to have randomness. It could just have players making decisions that the other players have to anticipate. And when the players do something they don't, that you can get surprised from that. Um, but in general, surprise does a good thing to make your thing both not predictable and create a little sense of, of drama built into it. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the value of hidden information, because hidden information is pretty important. So number one, there is a lot of strategy you add to a game when you add in hidden information. And, okay, to be clear, there is strategy in a game with any surprise. Um, the reason is reacting to surprise or predicting things that might happen is unto itself a strategy, a skill, something you can, you can prepare at. So if you're playing a game... If you know the possibilities of what can happen, you will play differently than if you have no idea what's going to happen. And so one of the ways that surprise helps create strategy is as you play a game, even though you don't know specifically what's going to happen, you start to learn the things that could happen. And so one of the ways that strategy comes out of surprise is from playing the game, you start to learn what can happen and you, start, you can adapt to it. You can make choices knowing what the options are of what can happen. And... Also, there's a lot of skill to responding to things that have happened. You didn't prepare for it, but when it happens, there's skill in responding to it and dealing with it. Um, when uh, I, I did my podcast on randomness, I talked a lot about how you kind of want randomness earlier in the game, so there's skill to people responding to the randomness rather than randomness at the end of the game where the game ends for a random reason. Okay, let's get back to hidden information. Hidden information adds another entire layer onto the game that's a very important layer. And what that layer is, is when one player knows something that the other player doesn't, you bring in personal communication skills. That, you know, at first when you're playing a game, you're, you're playing with cards and manipulation and logic and stuff like that. But once you start bringing in humans, you get this neat thing, which is you know something that I don't know. So now part of my game is trying to read my opponent. And there's a lot of fun in that. Humans really, really enjoy interacting with other humans. It's a skill that's vital for life. It's something that people really have to get good at. And games is a means and a way for you to get better at life skills. That's one of the great values games do. And interpersonal communication skills are very valuable. I'm playing with somebody. So, for example, there's a game called Diplomacy. I don't know if you ever played Diplomacy. Diplomacy is a game in which um, it takes place in, like, I don't know, World War I Europe. And it's a, it's a war game. But what happens is you have to talk with other players and get them to help you. 
And players can say whatever they want. Maybe they will help you, maybe they won't. But you have to trust some people because you have to make moves dependent upon other people doing things they're saying they're going to do. Um, so one of the big things about diplomacy is there's a lot of surprise in will people do what they say they'll do? And so one of the skills of the game is trying to predict is this person going to be tr- truthful? Are they being truthful? Are they going to be... Uh, when they say they're going to be on my side, are they? Are they playing me? Are they trying to betray me? You know, there's a lot of fun reading of what's going on. Or even in a game like Magic where I draw a hand and I have cards in my hand and I'm going to cast the cards and I'm playing knowing that I have these cards in my hand but you don't, can you predict what I have based on how I play? You know, so there's a lot of skill that comes from knowing that one person has information and you can read it in multiple ways. One is through how they play. You can get, gather information from how they play. The second is reading the person, reading the person themselves. And that there is a... One of the things I will say is people... Um, you are making a game for people. Understand what people like and allow people to do that. Well, one of the things people like is interacting with other people. people. We are social animals by nature. That we like to interact with one another. And so having a game that forces some interaction especially personal interaction, you know, inter- interpersonal, like, I have to look at them and I have to, are they bluffing? Are they, you know, can I read them correctly? Um, like, one of the things is, sometimes, so here's a, a typical situation like in Magic, where I attack with a creature, and on board, you have a creature you can block that, that, that I would never attack with normally. If I had no cards in my hand, I wouldn't attack. It's a bad attack. Obviously, I'm pretending as if I have something in my hand that will change the value of that attack. So I, I have a you know, 2-2 creature, you have a 3-3 blocker. Normally, if nothing else was going on, it's a horrible attack. You'd block and kill my creature. I wouldn't kill your creature. It'd be dead. But because I have cards in my hand, I can sort of make, create the illusion. And maybe it's not even an illusion, but I say to my opponent essentially, Hey, I got something in my hand you might not want to block you might want to let my creature go by. And the other player has to look at me and figure out, am I telling the truth? You know, do I really have something in my hand that I, they shouldn't be blocking? Or am I bluffing? Am I trying to get extra damage in a place where I don't? And the fact that there's hidden information allows those moments to happen. There's a lot of fun in trying to sort of push, push an agenda where the opponent has to figure out what's going on. You know, that... Um, in general, it is fun to read, to read the game state and figure out what's going on, but if you have complete information... So here's another important thing. If you have complete information, you feel obligated to solve the, pro- the problem. You know, if you have complete information, you're like, okay, I should be able to make the correct decision here, and so I need to figure out all the information. The other thing Surprise does is Surprise will say, well, I don't have all the information. I have to make a logical guess. I have to sort of go with my gut and figure out what's going on and I don't for sure know so when you make a mistake in a game without complete information meaning there's some surprise elements to it you feel a little better that there's some ego protection because if I make a mistake let's say I block and you have the giant girl like oh I, I didn't think you had it but I didn't know I didn't know for sure you know and the reverse is let's imagine that you do something and I have no cards in hand but I managed to not really surprise you, but I managed to do something based on all open information. You then feel bad. You're like, oh, well, the, what you could have done was something that I could have figured out. I didn't figure it out. 
oh, I feel horrible. I, I'm a bad player. I didn't see that. And you feel bad. It's a, it's a real feel bad. So another thing the surprise does is it does some ego investment that's very important is it helps protect the person by going, well, I didn't for sure know, you know. Like, one of the things that we talk a lot about is people will attribute their successes to things they did and attribute the failures to things outside their control. So successes inside control, failures outside their control. So what happens with success is, let's say we get in a situation, I read you, I read you correctly, and I do the right thing. I go, yes, I figured it out. I am, you know, I am a skillful player. I deduce this. Now, let's say I miscorrectly assume it. It goes wrongly. I go, oh, oh, I missed. Well, I didn't know. You know, it was, it was unknown. I, I, I was doing the best I can, but I didn't know. So the first thing is completely like, hey... I'm a good player, I feel good about myself, and you're very charged that the surprise allow you to, to feel like you have a sense of mastery. When you miss, because it's, it's unknown, you have an out to go, well, I didn't know, and that way you, you, you sort of protect yourself. Like, it's not that you made a mistake. Look, you did the best you could with the information you had, and you just didn't know. Um, so see, that surpriser does a very important thing, which is it helps the player have successes where they feel good about themselves and have failures where they don't feel bad about themselves. And that, that is very important. Okay. Um, also, in general, I talked about before that there is a lot of skill in reacting to unknown things, of saying, I wasn't prepared for that to happen. And so one of the things, and this is both strategy and fun, I think, which is it is neat to get in a situation that you never planned for and then have to get out of it. That's a lot of the fun of gaming is saying, okay, I didn't prepare for I, I didn't know for sure this was going to happen, but now that I'm in the situation, okay, how do I adapt? What do I do? You know, there's, there's a feeling of the back to the corner and that when you manage to pull it out, when you manage to sort of take something you weren't expecting but react on the fly and do something about it, it's really, really good. It's very encouraging. You know, it's a great throw. Um, they talk about Fiero where, where you're sort of in the zone. Um, and one of the ways to, to get sort of in that zone is when the, the key thing I think to Fiero is you're in a place where you know there's danger. You know that things might not go right. The reason that there's this thrill is I'm in territory where it's an unknown and I managed to have mastery where danger could have happened. So I talked a lot about, I went to the GDC this year and had a talk by a woman named Erin Hoffman who talked about what fun is. And she was saying that fun, I think I talked a little about this in my GDC, but it's very important at this point, uh, is that you want, fun is a, a, a sequence of events where you use a mastery loop to get from an um, uh, emotionally unhappy place, usually fear-based, but an unhappy place to a happy place. I think that she says use a mastery loop to move from fear to happiness is the general idea. But really what she meant was you're in an unhappy place where bad things are happening that you, something in the game is like, oh no, I don't want that to happen. Through your own mastery loop, you get to a place where you're like, oh, I've succeeded, I've done good things. And that fun is that you need a sense of danger. You need a sense of bad things could happen. You know, when there's no sense of danger, when you, there, there's no threat of anything that's going to happen bad, it's not as fun. That a lot of the fun comes from, I know I was in, you know, in a horrible place. Like, bad things could have happened. The game could have blown up in front of me. But I managed to somehow, through my own, my own grit, I managed to find a way to save it. That isn't, that is intensely fun. 
That is really fun. And surprise is a lot of the, of the thing that helps your player get there because they don't know what's coming. If they knew what is coming, then there's this expectation that they would accomplish what they needed to do. Um, and that, that ability to react is very strategic and very fun and adds a lot of neat game moments. Okay, another thing that Surprise does is it lessens complexity. What? Here's why. Um, the player feels obligated to process all information they have. Because, once again, if you lose with information you had available, you feel real bad about yourself. You feel dumb. You go, oh, I walked into that, you know. So, one of the things is, your player feels a need to process the information. And if you have too much information, you overwhelm them. That's, what, that's the problem with complexity in general is, is the player going, okay, I gotta, I gotta take all this stuff and I gotta keep it in mind. So one of the things Surprise does is Surprise forces the player to go, okay, there's things I don't know. And the less experienced the player, the, the more experienced player has fun figuring out what they don't know and how to, how to prepare for it, right? The strategic thing to do when you're more experienced in the game is to say, okay, I know the game has these six outcomes or whatever the number is. I got to prepare for any one of them. The less experienced player thinks less ahead. That's the nature of experience. So they're unaware, but the nice thing about the less experienced players, they go, I don't know. Don't have to worry about it. I don't know. When it happens, I will, I will have to deal with it. But I don't know now. I can't do anything. And so the less experienced player doesn't feel the obligation to figure out the, the you know, they're not there yet. They're not at the point where they're like, I know the options of what might happen. They're not going to do that. They're like, I'm dealing with what I can deal with. And if there's just less things they have to deal with, they, you know, that if, if somebody has a hand of cards, a more experienced player will try to read the opponent to figure out what's in their hand. A less experienced player goes, I don't know. When they cast it, we'll find out. And they don't feel a need to do that. So it lessens the need to try to figure out the complexity on, in, on the board or whatever. And it just makes it easier. The game is less tense for the beginning player because there's less things they have to track. And that is important. It's another reason why you, that, that uh, surprise does a big value to you is... You want to make sure the game keeps changing, but you don't want the players to always have to track that information. Tracking it creates complexity. Complexity can be very overwhelming, especially for lesser players, less experienced players. Um, And that you want your game to have strategy built into it so more experienced players with time can use that information, but surprise does that. Because within your game, there's some subset. It's not infinite surprise. Certain things can happen. Experienced players will learn what those things are, and they can start anticipating. Less experienced players can go, you know what, I don't know, and they don't have to worry about it until it happens. It makes both people happy. Um, Okay. Another thing that it does, I talked a little bit about the personal interactions, um... It adds a different level to your game that's really important, which is um, your game has components they have to figure out, they have to deal with. Um, but this surprise now adds both adapt- adaptability and personal interaction to it. So it adds layers to your game, and that's very important. That it, it means that the game is about different things. That one of the ways to keep your game exciting is if you're always worrying about the same thing, it gets monotonous and it gets tiresome. But if you keep having to shift your gears, okay, i got to worry about my hand, about the board, about what my opponent's doing. If you keep shifting where your focus is, it, make, it makes the game more dynamic. And it makes it that, that it's not the same thing again and again. 
And so surprise allows you to have moments where you're shifting where your focus is. And that is important to keep a game dynamic and keep it from getting stale. Um, in general, by the way, another in the same regard is um, if players can completely predict what's going to happen, there's much greater chance of monotony in the game. That one of the things that you want is you want some things to happen that your player can't anticipate or that they can anticipate incorrectly. Because that means that the game will surprise them. Surprise, you know, obviously makes the game have more freshness to it. When you don't know everything, things will happen that you obviously didn't know, and it will make more variety in the gameplay. You know, you don't want monotony. You do not want a player playing a game and go, oh, this is just like the last time we played. Because what will happen is, at some point, they'll stop playing. They're like, well, okay, I, I got it. I've, I've experienced this game. Once the player goes, I've experienced this game, and feels like they've, they have everything the game has to offer, they'll move on to another game. They're like, okay, I, okay, I got it. I've got this game. Okay, good. Let's go play another game. But if you put enough surprise in your game, your game reinvents itself. Your game says, okay, I thought I knew this game, but I didn't. You know, something Magic does insanely well because I play with, you know, 60 cards from a giant pool and my opponent does the same and every time I play an opponent, I don't know what deck they're going to have. They might have a completely different deck. And even when we play, because you draw your hand and there's a deck that's shuffled and, you know, there's hidden information in hands, there's so much going on that no two Magic games are the same. And that really makes it very dynamic. That, that's a big part of why people play Magic for so long. You know, the average Magic player plays for, like, right now, for, like, nine and a half years. That's insanely long. That's longer than most games even last. And the reason is the game keeps reinventing itself. And I don't just mean between games, but even within the game. That there's so much surprise built into it that there's a lot of... You can't always predict what's going to happen. Even, by the way, when you're playing the exact same deck against the exact same deck that there's still moments where I'm like, even though I've played this matchup, oh, this combination has never happened before, I have to deal with it. Okay, another very important part of, of surprise is it creates moments. So let me talk about what I call the story narrative. So one of the things that's very important for your game is you want the player while playing your game to feel as if the game itself is sort of a story, that there's a narrative to it. And that good gameplay, you want, your, you want your player to be able to walk away, go talk to somebody else who in theory knows the game, and be able to sort of share the game with them. So I talk a lot about what we call the metagame, which is Richard's term for the game around the game. So I don't, I don't mean the metagame like what is everybody playing at the tournament. What I mean is the metagame, the Garfield version, which is a game is more than just the act of playing. The game has to do with every interaction, everything you do that has something to do with the game. And one of the most important things is the interplay between people. That if you want to create a community, you have to make things where the community people can share things. So one of the ways to, to do a very strong bonding between the community is if games take on a story narrative. If when I play a game, I, something happens, and then I can go to my friends who also play the same game and share the story narrative. Here's what happened in my game, and I can entertain them because there's a neat story narrative, you know, and surprise makes for great story narrative. It makes for great moments. You know, think about this. If you ever talked about a game, usually, what, usually the, the story is, I was in such and such situation, and then this thing happened. Now, if this thing was a known thing, it wouldn't be as exciting a story. But this not being a known thing, I was all prepared for thing X. But thing Y happened. 
that's an exciting story. The same reason the surprise works so well in, in storytelling is because it, it makes for good stories. I didn't see that coming. I didn't expect that. Well, guess what? I was playing a game. And here's what happened in my game. Bam! There is an exciting story narrative, and that's really important. That if you want people to bond between your game and create communities, you need to have the act of game playing being something that's shareable. And that's really important. Now, there's a lot of different ways to share games. Uh, like Magic, for example, people will share deck building. and I mean, there's a lot of other components. There's trading and things. Um, but the, the, the key thing is Magic does a good job of Okay, I was playing another, you know, we're wizards, we're planeswalkers, dueling with magic. Here's what happened. I cast this creature, they cast this spell, and then this happened, da, 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 you know. And it creates an amazing narrative. And that's really important. That if you want your players to be able to share with one another, you want your game to have that story narrative. Okay, let me hit a few other things. One of the things I try to do is to talk about how each one of these 10 things helps you with the other 10 things. So I've already talked about how it helps you with fun. I've talked about how it helps you with strategy. So let me hit a few other things it helps you with. A catch-up feature. So one of the things that Surprise can do is Surprise can allow you to come back. That there's a lot of neat moments where it looks like I've lost, but because of Surprise, you work in the game places for that catch-up. You know, ha-ha, I have this. You didn't know that, and that fact you didn't know that means I can now surprise you. Maybe I even had a tactical advantage because I knew something you didn't know. And even though it looked like I was in trouble, I had this ace in the hole. I had this card that you were unaware of or this game element that allowed me to come back. So it, 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 it can be, you can use surprise as a means to help you with the catch-up feature. It also allows you um, to do something slightly different with the catch-up feature. It allows you to have one player... Um, appear as if they're in a worse position and the catch-up feature isn't actually them coming back but them revealing information they had all along. So it lets you feign weakness. Surprise allows a catch-up feature in which it's not that you were necessarily behind, it was you appear to be behind but there was an unknown thing that actually allowed you to have more play than you realized. Okay, surprise also allows interaction. A... Like I said before, there's all the human interaction that if, if there's hidden information, I have to glean what my opponent knows and doesn't know, and I have to make decisions based on how I'm reading them. There's that interaction. The other thing is when um, you even get shared moments together when something happens and everybody has to react to that. You know, like when you're playing a game where all of a sudden something gets revealed, all the players might go, oh my goodness, this thing has happened, and there's a bonding moment with the players... You know, for example, there's a lot of cooperative games where, um, oh, this is a good example of surprise on the open-ended thing, where the, the, all the players are playing against sort of the game, and the game keeps surprising you and doing things, and then you, as a player, sometimes the interaction isn't against each other, sometimes it's with each other, you know, the response you have, and you, if you have to figure out what to do. Surprise also brings inertia to the game because you can layer in the game things they don't know and those things can help push the game towards conclusion. Oh my goodness, this big thing happened and that's going to completely change the nature. I know Risk Legacy, for example, does this thing where you have things in envelopes and you, know, you can open up the envelope and those things have major changes in what's going on. But sometimes those major changes help push the game toward the end. You know, this thing happens that helps one player or helps another player or changes the game state in a way that can, that can increase it to make it end sooner. Surprise could actually add to flavor. 
Sometimes, you know, one of the neat things about flavor and about storytelling is that people don't know everything. So sometimes, one player gets to know something that other players don't get to know. Um, a real good example of this might be a murder mystery game, where everybody gets information and you're trying to figure out this murder mystery. But different players know different things. And the fact that one player can reveal something, you can have a lovely uh, flavor moment where, like, the fact that one player knows and another doesn't, unto itself, is really flavorful. You know, because one of the things that's neat is, in real life, everybody doesn't know the same thing, you know, and that there's a lot of fun of role-playing. Like, a lot of the neat thing is, when you're playing roles, uh, it's like, I know something you don't know, is a really good way to capture something. Um, and also, another neat thing about surprise is a lot of times surprises are wrapped in flavor. Um, like a Monopoly, when you get a community chance, you know, community uh, or chance, um, community chest or chance, um, things can happen. Sometimes things happen. Sometimes it affects only you, but sometimes it can affect the board. You know, sometimes what happens, oh, this whole thing changes. It affects everything. And people are like, oh, that, that, that now changes things. We now have to react to that. And that the flavor can be a lot of fun. That a lot of times that surprise allows you great flavor moments. Okay. The last one, which is very important, is that it provides the hook. So the hook is the last one of the ten. Uh, the hook has to do with selling your product, which is uh, I need people to go that that looks cool. I want to buy that. That's what the hook's all about. And the surprise features a lot of times can do that. Um, so, for example, there's a game called Perfection. I mean, you guys ever so Perfection is it's, it's a puzzle game, and the puzzle game is you have all these pieces and you have a board and you have to fit all the shapes into the place that go on the board. And there's 40 shapes or something. The surprise factor is that the board, there's a timer on the board, and it's going to pop, and all the pieces are going to pop out if you don't get them. You have to get all the pieces in and turn it off before this happens. So the reason the game is exciting is not because you have to take pieces and put them in the thing. The reason it's exciting is at some point it's going to explode. So this is tension that's happening because you don't know when it's going to explode, and if you're hurrying to try to get it done, at every moment there's just this knowledge you have of the thing's going to happen. So, by the way, I didn't mention this before. Um, surprise doesn't necessarily always have to be 100% unknown. Uh, Perfection is a real good example. You know the board is going to pop. You know that's going to happen. What you don't know is when it's going to happen. So sometimes the surprise is partial, meaning you know some component of it, but you don't know every component of it. You know, for example, somebody, you know, one person in this game has the, like, a werewolf, the game where you're trying to figure out who the werewolves are. Well, somebody's a werewolf. It's not a surprise that there are werewolves. It's a surprise who's the werewolf. You know, in Clue, you're trying to figure out where the murder mystery happened. So sometimes it's, it's when or where or, you know, that surprise can have a lot of different facets. Surprise is not just, you know, one single thing. Surprise means is there's some facet of the game that I don't know. And sometimes, and Perfection is a great example, Sometimes knowing something about it, knowing a thing is going to happen, but, you know, like I said, the entire hook of perfection is, pam, it's going to pop up. In fact, they show it on the commercial, pam, all the pieces pop out. You know, that is a big hook of the game. And so surprise can be a big hook. If part of the game is, hey, I don't know when something is going to occur, or there's some cool thing that's going to happen that I'm not prepared for, I think the Risk Legacy, a big selling point of Risk Legacy, is this idea of radical things can happen. And not only can they happen, they'll forever shape the game. And not just this game, but future games. That was a real neat thing Risk Legacy does. Because what happens is, once you change the board, in future games, that board has changed. So it has a permanence. Um, 
But the, uh, and su- surprise, like I said, surprise is this neat thing where it adds texturing in so many different places, you know, that it, it, ke- it creates suspense, it creates interpersonal dynamics, it creates, um, you know, like, like I said, I mean, all the, all the stuff I'm talking about today, that, I mean, it provides hidden information, it can make it fun, strategy, helps with ketchup, interaction, inertia, flavor, hook. Um, it helps lessen complexity. It allows neat interpersonal things. It can create moments and help your story narrative. Um, surprise is this very versatile tool. Um, it's funny, as I walk through the ten, um, some of them, like the goal or rules, are much more in stone what they need to do. You know, a goal has to provide a, a certain focus for the game. But surprise is a tool that can do all sorts of things. And you have to figure out where and how do you surprise. What I'm saying is the game wants surprise. What I'm not saying is how the game needs to have surprise. That, that is one of the neat things about this component is it's a very versatile tool. That you, There's a lot of ways to create surprise. There's a lot of ways to use surprise. There are a lot of things surprise can do. It's a very um, dynamic tool. And like I said, it is so endemic to the personal experience you know, it, it, it's, it's part of communication theory because it's something that humans relate to and it's something humans need. And so it's important when you make your game, figure out how to get surprise in your game. You know, and like I said, even chess, even chess has elements of surprise because players are going to do things that other players don't, don't know. Um, but it's important to figure out where the surprise falls in your game, how you use it, what it's doing, what its purpose is. You know, and that's my sort of goal today is explaining to you that it is this important tool that you need to understand the value of it and what it can do for you and then how to use it. But anyway, I've just pulled in the parking spot. So we all know that means that means this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So thanks for joining me today, guys.